1: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon Stanley. That is my buddy, Matthew Soma. And we are coming to you just weeks before the start of the NHL's regular season. But the last couple of days, we got to go to PNC Arena and see some live hockey from a team that was the Carolina Hurricanes, more or less. (laughs) <laughs> uh Prospect- it was a Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes team Right, right, a Canes a team uh, The Prospects Tourney has just concluded Today, it was a lot of fun uh, Obviously, you know, we kind of talked about the fact That this isn't really Something to overreact to, but it's a really Fun event where it's a chance for some of these Younger guys with designs on making The NHL soon, can get a chance To strut their stuff and kind of Maybe even get a little bit of a head start With some live game action ahead of training camp If they want to put together a good one and you know, really put themselves on the Canes radar. There are a few guys we're going to discuss, I think, in that vein tonight. um, And just give our overall thoughts on the tourney in general. So that's something to look forward to. We also have Jake Gardner news a little bit. It feels like just about every week at this point, we're talking about the back end. We've settled it a lot. It's one of the bigger stories heading into training camp, what they're going to do, especially on that third pairing. Definitely have stuff to talk about there. And yeah, let's get it started. First things first, the pressing question, which prospect clearly began his Hall of Fame resume this weekend, Matt?
0: Uh, the answer is all of them. And, Brandon, I can confidently say that it is time to plan the parade in Raleigh. This Prospects tournament Nashville may have had one more loser point than the Hurricanes, but this Hurricanes team is going to go all the way because of the prospects showcase.
1: Right. Jamison Reese is basically going to be a better version of Brad Marsh and Tucat Exla is Tarot Tavo on steroids. Um Noel goonler 110 point player, probably next year, if not next year, the year after, you know. I mean, just superstars. Everywhere. So, so to be actually serious, which player, I think I have a couple guys in mind, maybe somebody that you didn't have as many expectations for that kind of stuck out to you in a positive way.
0: I think with every player that played, there's positives to draw from it, right? You know, like from a development standpoint, you're looking at these players, you know, in a line of, okay, where were they last year? Where are they at now, right? For some of these guys, this is also our first chance of getting to see them live. Like Alexander Passion, this was the Canes fans chance to see him live. And boy, today he did not disappoint uh, with the lacrosse goal. Um, But even like, you know, some of the biggest positives were the Canes best players were the ones we expected to be their best players. Jamison Reese and Vasily Panamarov were the best players and heading into this tournament, especially without Ryan Suzuki on the roster. Those were the two guys that I looked at. I was going, all right, these are the top guys. Jamison Reese was a pain in the ass all tournament long. Um, I thought that he was really just consistent. His first game, you know, he, he was good, but the Canes as a whole kind of fell apart after that. Uh, after Vondras got in, and you know, I don't blame Vondras. He, um, even Wolves coach, uh, Brock Sheehan, even said, you know, he's an 04 goalie. Playing this position at this age at this level is incredibly difficult. And his bounce back today was great. You know, so Reese had a good first game. I thought that the second and third games, though, he was one of our best forwards, if not our best. Vasily Panamarov, just he's a special player, man. I, I seriously think that he could be getting a long looking camp this year. The Hurricanes roster is pretty crowded, but you know, Panamarov could be making the Canes roster, if not this year, next year. And I think we could see him getting called up a handful of times this year just because of how strong of a player he is in all three zones.
1: Yeah, I like Panamarov a lot. I definitely I was actually I had to leave a little early today, but I was watching the broadcast. Darren York was absolutely singing his praises, Um, really talking about how excited or, well, I mean, he wasn't being overexcited about him, but he was talking about how many little things he does well and just really talented player. That's definitely got some potential to maybe make his debut this year. He just does so many little things very, very well. Um, Totally agree with you. It, It only means so much that Reese and Panamara were as good as they were, right? you need those guys to kind of show out in a tournament like this, because I mean, there's so many invites you're playing against a team like Tampa Bay. When's the last time they had a first round pick? Like there really wasn't any, I don't know what they maybe got one NHL player on that roster. (laughs) Like maybe who knows, they might not even have that many. So in a setting like that, you want your prospects that are a little bit closer to NHL ready to play like they're almost NHL players. Right. So Obviously, those were really positive developments. Those are really good things that you wanted to see. Now, I really liked three players that, you know, kind of going back to my original question here about guys that maybe stuck out to you a little more than you expected them to. Now, those three players, one we've already talked about a little bit, both on Twitter and we were talking about them during the game quite a bit, Bobby Orr. Um, this is my first time seeing him play really at all. Uh, I'd seen some like clips mostly, but I'd never watched one of his games. He just does a lot of little things really, really well. You know, he's mostly a defensive guy, but he's quick. He's got some hands in tight spaces. I was kind of impressed with some of the little plays he made, just like making a little pass between a guy's legs or or sealing a player off to give his teammate that had the puck a little more space. or And of course, defensively, he was really good as well. I, I know you kind of said some of the same things he's not going to be a big scorer or anything at the NHL level by any stretch of the imagination, but he looked like a pretty decent piece that could develop into an NHL player potentially in some capacity down the line.
0: Yeah. He, when I wrote about him last season, right after he was um, drafted, I, I compared him to Brock McGinn because they're very similar players. They're both under six feet tall, but they're very physical, gritty forwards that get in on the forecheck and do a lot of little things right. Neither of them are stellar offensive players, but they have, you know, enough offensive tools to
1: play games. The other forward that I was really impressed with, and he actually led the team in goals, if I'm not mistaken, but it really wasn't his goal scoring that impressed me the most because... I knew he had that. Like, that was a faction of his game that I knew he had. He's always been able to put the puck in the net. It was the other parts of his game that were very raw. But that's Blake Murray. Um, The Hurricanes had him, along with many other, like, offense-leading forwards, like Noel Goonler. They had those guys killing penalties. And I thought his speed and his reach were a real problem defensively many times. He had a couple takeaways. He had a couple plays where he broke up um, passes or rushes with his long reach. I I just thought he looked pretty good all around. So that's a guy that I really want to see in Chicago this year. I think he's going to be there after spending last year, mostly in the ECHL, or was it entirely?
0: Yeah, it was entirely in the ECHL last year. Okay.
1: okay, well, yeah, he's a guy that I would like to get a look in Chicago this year. Because, I mean, well, we saw the snipe he had to score the game winner in game two. It was absolutely filthy. Great pass for Tukati Exla. Um, went top corner off the bar and in. It was just an absolute beauty of a shot. But then, again, so many of those other things that I I thought complemented the rest of his game very, very well. And those were the kind of things you were kind of hoping to see develop over the years for him. He's still a guy that's probably looking like a pro player, but maybe not an NHL player, I think. Um, But, again, the tools are there because he is a big kid that can skate and really shoot the puck. So I I was interested by him for sure.
0: Yeah, Murray, you know, I think the – The biggest thing with murray i'm not gonna say it's a problem because it's not his fault it's the fact that you know that his last ohl season didn't happen yeah you know because of covid so he has to play in the uh, swedish third league for a cup of coffee and then you know doesn't get any other playing time so he doesn't really get a lot of development time he gets some games but still he misses out on basically a year's worth of development
1: and it is easy to underestimate how important those are those reps are everything for a young raw player
0: yeah and especially since the ohl plays 60 some odd games a year you know this is you know he, he got 20 something games if that in sweden and none in the ahl after that so you know with murray he has always had a really good shot. He's always been a pretty good skater. I think his skating now is what I'd, I'd call like average at the pro level. Um, And he's always been a big physical player, but he's never been able to put all of that together consistently. And the past two games, I saw that I saw a player who was able to play physically along the boards. He was able to make plays defensively. He was able to carry the puck in transition and, you know, You see his goal against the Lightning today was a perfect example. You know, he takes the puck, carries it in on the outside. He's in all alone, but doesn't need to make a move to beat the goalie. He's got a good enough shot to just beat the goalie outright, which he did five. So I like Murray. I think he's going to play with Chicago this year. This past year in the ECHL was definitely needed for him just because he didn't have that year to develop in the OHL. Right.
1: Right. Well, the last guy, he is a defenseman and he's a guy that you actually had mentioned a few times, but he's not one that I really had on my radar. Gregory Dronov. I really like this guy. And I saw you tweeted about him earlier, too. So I know you're in agreement. He's a little bit older. So you kind of, another guy that you kind of would expect maybe to play like that um, in this setting. But from the first time I saw him, like I, you know, on Sunday when we were sitting together, I was, he kind of popped right away. And I was like, this guy's big. He plays with a little bit of an edge. He gets in the way of breaking up pretty much every single play. I just thought he looked really good. Um, we were talking a little bit about it. We're guessing he was released from his PTO with the Arizona coyotes. I think that might be a guy the hurricanes could look to at least give an AHL deal to.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because last year he only played in 30 games and that's including the playoffs. Um he was hurt for the majority of the KHL season only appearing in 6 games. But then in the playoffs he had 14 points in 24 playoff games. Um and when I watched him play, you know, I saw a player that was very good defensively, gapped up incredibly well, was super physical. Skated, I think his skating is probably his weakest point. I think it's average at best. But the biggest thing I noticed about Dronov is how well he sees the ice. He is exceptional at those passes to areas where the defense is missing. And he can make a lot of sneaky good plays in the offensive zone. I think, you know, he's never going to be like a world ender offensively. He's never going to be like, you know, that 50 point guy. But, you know, he's a guy that when, when you're setting up five on five, you have somebody sneaking in back door drone can find that guy. Um, I don't know if he's a NHL ready player based on this performance. I mean, I think, you know, he probably needs a year in the AHL, but I think this is a player that I'm absolutely giving a contract to, because he has size. He's a good enough skater. He's physical. He has enough offensive tools to where I think he could be a player that can make an impact the NHL level at some point.
1: No, I'm definitely going to agree with you on that. I think he was one of their better defensemen at the tournament. Um, now, let's talk about some of the Euros. This is kind of their first introduction to North American hockey. And we're going to stay right there on the blue line. Um, you know, we, we talked about Dronov. I thought he was one of their better defensemen. I, I thought Griffin Mindel was really good. Uh, yes. For the most part. Yeah, I, I thought he showed he could jump up into the rush a little bit. He moves pretty well for a big guy. Um, and, and he could just kind of can do a lot of little things pretty well, but Ronan Seeley and Anthony Honka spent a lot of time actually playing together. Um, I thought Seeley was good. He was kind of quiet, but like not in a bad way per se. Um, I didn't really see much of that first game because I was actually working. So it seemed like it was a little bit of a mess for everybody. Um, But from the games I saw, I thought Seeley was rock solid. Anthony Honka, and, and this is kind of a theme I want to get into a little bit, but I, I thought he was a little underwhelming. Um, but again, that's probably not a, something that matters in such a small sample and B something that you shouldn't expect with the guy that's been playing in Europe just came over and is getting his first taste of professional hockey in North America.
0: Yeah. So Honka wasn't as much of a factor offensively as I would have liked. Right. Um, Yes, it's an adjustment, and I'm giving him the benefit of
1: the doubt here. It seemed, <clears throat> I do just want to add this real quick. It, it did seem like he was kind of timid on the power play because he was running that first unit, and it just seemed like he's making very simple passes. He wasn't very active, he wasn't looking to jump much. He would just make a pass along the wall or make a pass to whoever, and there was a lot of talent out there, so it was fine. We saw a well, that of and
0: the there's team. a lot less space for him to work with, which is yeah. a huge adjustment because, sure. in – in Finland, he has so much more space to work with and he's got so much more space to make a pass or, and I think this is the issue. He doesn't have as much room to move. And so now he's going to have to figure out, okay, how do I use the small space to my advantage? How do I make plays when I don't have a lot of space to skate or stick handle, you know? So that was fine. I think he tried to compensate by putting pucks on net and unfortunately he's not the best shooter. So, um, a lot of pucks didn't go through. He did have a glorious chance during the Florida game, um, where he's, he gets a pass from behind the net. He's right in front goalie just makes a really nice chest save. Um, other than that, you know, Honka made a couple defensive plays. I thought, you know, his skill with the puck was still good he was still a really good skater so you know it's not that he hasn't improved you know I'll say that he he still looks to be a solid prospect now I'm just wondering what is he going to do to take that next step
1: right and this is going to lead into a nice little segue into the next thing I actually wanted to talk about anyway but I really feel like he's a guy that's going to get a lot better over the course of the season as he adjusts in those ways. Um, So he's definitely going to be a guy I really want to watch, you know, and just see where he is day one, as opposed to where he is towards the end of the year, which I expect to be pretty much a totally different player. Forwards develop much quicker than defensemen. And that's probably why we saw so much development just in a couple of days from guys like Tukati, Exela, even Noel Gunler, even though I thought he was pretty solid the entire time. And Alexander passion. I thought TXla and uh, passion especially looked significantly better as the tournament went along. And I'm really, really excited to see those guys down in Chicago this year. That's going to be a young team with a ton of skill. I don't know if they're going to be a great AHL team, but I think they're going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And as they got more comfortable, Today was by far TXL's best game. He was making seam passes. He was he just looked quicker and more assertive with the puck, honestly. So he was, I mean, definitely showed that he's still a guy with a lot of potential, even though he's definitely, definitely going to have, have to add quite a bit of weight because he's very, very light at this point in time. There was one shift on Sunday where we saw him hit the ice, I think, three times in a row, just – it didn't look like huge hits. It was just a board battle, and they were just kind of manhandling them from Nashville a little bit, which, to be fair, that was a very big team.
0: I was going to say Nashville definitely has a type, <laughs> and that type is players over six feet tall that can't skate worth a damn. <laughs> um, They have a few players who who deviate from that, like Spencer Stasny, I thought, is a really good skater that might be just a shade over six feet.
1: Mark
0: Delgasco. Luke Prokop's a good skater that kind of breaks the trend. Um, but yeah, Nashville has a type, but I don't question it because Nashville develops de- develops defensemen like no other. Right. Gunler, I think, made a lot of plays along the boards and was good in his own end. That's what had- I want to yeah, that's what I want to see from him. I right. know he can shoot. I know he can make plays, but I want to see the defense. I want to see him take a role on the penalty kill, which he did have in all three games. That's awesome. Um, TXLA struggled in uh, against Florida. And to be fair, again, like similar to Honka, there's not a lot of space. It's definitely a quicker game and just... It's an adjustment. You've got two practices and that's it against Nashville. You've started to see him get a little more confident with the puck. You started to see him try a few things. They may not have worked out, but he was gaining that confidence. He was making more plays and wasn't a liability in any zone. He also has the nice pass, And this is the crazy thing is that past that, um, txl made was at the end of a long shift in overtime well, he, he starts out that three. rush and then has the vision to make that pass quickly after a long shift that is a hell of a play
1: right and um, I remember i was even saying to you i was like frustrated because he went out there and spent the entire shift i was like damn i really wanted to see txl three on three and he spent the entire shift chasing guys around his own. Oh, and zone it was, out. it was a
0: long defensive shift. It yeah. wasn't just like a long offensive shift because you know, the offensive players, yeah, they work, but they don't work as hard as the defenseman to, to try and get the puck away, you know?
1: And he even got, he got into the zone, led that rush and made a couple of pretty nice moves when he got in there too, um, to get around a couple of players and then was able to dish it off to Murray for that beautiful shot.
0: Yeah. And then Sunday, I felt like TXL was his most comfortable and, you know it's it's hard for me to say like this this is such a good sign because Tampa is not good. They right. they definitely have a couple good prospects on their roster but it's a weak team overall. Yeah, very. And good. I think Sixtlob was able to skate circles around them a little bit. Yeah. He he was definitely more confident with the puck. I loved some of the rushes he took where he was darting through the players. There, there were two occasions where he tries to dart through the defense, and the only way they can take the puck from him is by taking a penalty in the process. He draws two penalties in that game. I think that's a big deal. He makes that beautiful pass to Gundler for the first power play goal, where Gundler then feeds it to Reese. But that's one of those secondary assists that actually matters, you know? Right. Without that seam pass to Gundler, the defense will have plenty of time to adjust to that. So... That's a big play, um, one that I really like, and it's encouraging. Passion's kind of in the same boat where he's a smaller player that's pretty light, uh, struggled physically in game one. Game two, I kind of felt the same way where he's trying a few more things but definitely seemed a little outclassed. And this was just a game where he could just be un not unhinged but, like, just unleashed. Right. He was so good uh, against Tampa – even without the lacrosse goal, I felt like he was contributing in the play. He was producing offensively, making really nice passes, trying to shoot. There, there were more things than just the goal.
1: Right. But, I mean, let's be real. That goal was probably the highlight of the entire tournament. And, I mean. Oh, easily. I went to every game. That was the highlight.
0: Like, the the Florida-Tampa um, game, a snooze fest. <laughs> Nashville, Florida was, you know, pretty good, but ugly. Nashville, Tampa in the first game, not good. I'm going to be honest with you. Nashville kind of steamrolled them other than seeing Askarov. Like it was ugly.
1: Yeah. So the, the two of the highlights really came today because I had the lacrosse goal. And, and again, it wasn't just the lacrosse goal. It was so quick. Like he he oh, had that when puck. You
0: look up. at the replay. I mean, the two defenders are doing nothing.
1: Yeah, they sagged off of him and gave him room to do it. But like, still, they were close enough that if he kind of had taken his sweet time, they probably would have reacted and gotten it. But he had that puck in, up in a flash, and he didn't have that much room on felt. He tucked it right under the bar. Yeah. It, was, it was beautifully done. Um, but in uh, that other highlight, TXLA to wait, it was Gooner, wasn't it? He actually to, yeah, to, to, to Goomler to, to, to Reese on the back door and just, oh man. I mean, the, the seam pass was perfect. The wherewithal from Goomler to catch that pass and immediately go back door to Reese. I mean, it, it was, it was just a beautiful goal. I actually thought Jamison had a slower start today. Um, He, he in the very first, in the first period, he kind of, which is a couple of times where he lost the puck and like just didn't really look fully engaged right off the bat. And then I think he took a couple of hits and all of a sudden he was Jamison Reese again. Cause my boy, I mean, he had two goals along with two assists. He had a four point game today, but he probably could have had four or five goals. I think he had a breakaway. He had like two point blank chances. I mean, he was everywhere. He looked like probably the best player on the ice. And again, yeah. I mean, how many elbows did he take? How many like scrums did he get in? He
0: well, got- it was so funny. You know, I asked Reese after the game, um, I was like, you know, Jamison, you you take an elbow in the face and then immediately afterwards, you get a primary assist on the goal. How's that for shutting them up? He's like, yeah, they're going to do what they have to do. It's not going to affect me. It's just going to motivate me and piss me off a little bit, you know? I I think
1: (laughs) one of my best friends back in my playing days, Colin Riley, shout out. I doubt you listen to these. I haven't talked to you in a minute, but if you happen to, what's up? He always said that. He said, and he was a stocky kid. He didn't get lit up much, but if he took a big hit early on in the game, he was going to go off and he really did like he was his line mate or he was my line mate for years. I knew him pretty well. Um, If he got into a little bit of a kerfuffle early on, it locked him in. I was kind of like that too. I I think a lot of hockey players are, especially if they play with a little bit of an edge um, getting into a little bit of it early, can really set you focused on the game and Jameson Reese definitely falls into that category. Overall,
0: the prospects tournament was really good. I, I, I think that the team was really solid
1: Brock Shahan said at the beginning, he said, all you want is to get better every single day. And and I think they did that.
0: Yeah, they did. And, you know, Hamerla looked great in both games. Um, He let in a couple goals where that he even said himself like he wasn't happy with, but promising. And he's playing against pretty old competition by his standards playing in the queue. So it's fine.
1: 19.
0: He is 19 years old.
1: Yeah, like, I, I, I was kind of thinking about And that the season.
0: other two goalies on the roster were 18. So, you right. know, a very young tandem.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued by Hammerlin now, honestly. I mean, this is my first chance to see him live. As with any goalie, pretty much, he's going to be a while still. Oh, uh, yeah. And <laughs> a lot can happen in a goalie's development. You know, you have zero idea what he's going to be. But you could definitely see what the Hurricanes saw in him. You were comparing him a lot to Peter Mrazek, and I like that comparison. He's a little hectic in the net, but at the same time, he's very steady and uses his size. Like his shoulders stay square, and when a shot comes in, he doesn't overreact. He stays steady, and if he doesn't know where the puck is, he sits still, which is the best thing a goalie can do if he doesn't know where it is because if it's behind him and he freaks out, he can kick it into his own net. I thought he was very steady, staying square to the shooter, using his shoulders to stay tall in the net. My always my biggest qualm with Scott Darling. Dude was huge and like let his shoulders sag basically. And there was tons of room to beat him. Anyway, sorry for even mentioning him. But no, it's okay. <laughs> but I really like Tomerla. I, I think he's definitely an intriguing goalie prospect that's going to be interesting to track the next couple of years.
0: Panamarov was the Hurricane's best player, in my opinion. Uh, he and Reese were the best players. Panamarov projects better to the nhl than reese does reese is gonna be a fourth line guy capable of being a real
1: pain
0: with a capital p
1: that may be more likely but i still think it's possible he's a little better there's
0: some offensive skill but i don't think it's enough
1: I don't think it's as good as I originally thought it was. I will admit. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's you know, the you can play on a third line. I do.
0: There's a chance, but ultimately, more than likely, he is a fourth line player. Well,
1: it's also Anamarev
0: could legitimately be a second line center at the NHL level. And Brock Shahan today said he's a big time player. Like that was his exact Let me read you his quote today. He said, I think Vasily is a big time player. I don't have a body of work on most of these guys, but I thought he was very consistent. Like
1: every shift he did seem to make an impact. He has a high motor. He's always engaged in the play. He's got a little skill and he's very good defensively. Like he's a pretty complete player. So I'll definitely agree with that. I'm not sure he's a second line guy, in my opinion. Um, but hey, both him and Reese. That's the, that's the only thing that you, we probably shouldn't forget about Reese. He's 21. Yeah. Like he's not a finished product, even though this is going to be his third AHL season. Like he's not the age of most guys that are playing in their third AHL season. Like there's still development in the tank and the hurricanes have done a really good job of developing guys. lately. So we don't, they're not, they're certainly not finished products. Put it that way.
0: Oh, totally. It was a good tournament. A lot of fun. I think Brock Shan's going to be a great coach just from the, Just from seeing the team, how they improved, and just getting to talk to him after the games and media, too. Like, he was really impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a great tournament. I had a blast. I know you did, too. Um, Again, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of fun to track these guys over the next couple of years. So, yeah. But before we move on to the defensive side of things, we're going to talk about Jay Gardner, Ethan Bear, and others real quick. Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network, so we are going to take just a quick minute get a word from our friends over at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. And we're back. And we're back. Yeah. So um, other big piece of news that came today. I think Corey Lavalette was the one that broke it. Luke DeCock. Fast. Oh, okay. It was Luke DeCock. I got them confused. I've been I will give, minutes. I will give Luke credit. I don't usually give him credit, <laughs> but. Okay. I've been reading Corey tweets all weekend. Cause he was at the prospects tournament. So. Um, I guess I just got mixed up there. You're right. It was Luke DeCock. Uh, he announced that apparently things not as rosy as it been previously reported. I, I don't really, I don't think we even have the full story yet. So that could, that might not even be accurate, but Jay Gardner looks like he is not likely to join the team this year. It's looking like LTIR. I don't know again, if that's an injury or if that's just because the Hurricanes couldn't find a taker. Um, Granted, I don't think they could LTIR him and do it this way if it was the latter. Like, he, there has to be something. Like, they can't just LTIR him after announcing he was healthy, right? Um. Well, I
0: mean, if he does have a setback or something else went wrong and he's not cleared to play after that, the team can be like, hey, listen, we thought he was cleared to play. This thing happened we cannot play him he needs to go on ltir that could happen okay well i i think that you know the hurricanes wouldn't have kept him if they thought he was not gonna i don't know man this is it's such a weird situation but i guess something else came up with gardner okay So Luke said, pre-camp update, Jake Gardner not expected to be in training camp with the Hurricanes this week. Likely to end up on LTIR again. He did not elaborate. (laughs) Um, So I'm not entirely sure what the uh, deal is. But... I would imagine that something else came up. There were rumors that he had re-injured something. I forget who even came up with those rumors in the first place. It was a big deal, you know, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, so the Jake Gardner saga continues to be kind of sad. Um, I I do feel for the guy because obviously he's, well, you think you got to think he still wants to play pro hockey and it just seems like health has been a concern his entire career and, and he's, he's, he's not getting any younger at this point. I know he's into his thirties by now. Um, this might be the end of the road. Who knows? Uh, he could still try to come back at some point, but I feel like every day it gets less likely the way these things keep happening. But I I mean, I guess you can call it the bright side. I hate to even say that surrounding an injury, but this does clear up some cap room. Um, assuming the hurricanes are also going to put Pacioretty on LTIR i do think that number is around 10 million now or 11 i don't know it's going to be prorated cuz you got to bring match Pacioretty back later assuming he can you know get healthy obviously but they're surely going to go into the season with that in mind um but now i mean the hurricanes do have a little bit of money to play with you yeah, you've see.
0: got room to probably sign Calvin wow. Dahan and yeah. Derek Stefan, <laughs>
1: right, who right. are
0: with the team currently on PTOs. Well,
1: right. That's going to happen, I'm sure. But even still, those guys probably aren't even going to get what Jake Gardner made. Four million. I don't I mean, no, but like you have I to mean, have well- two and step on one point five, maybe. And there you go. I mean, I think they would both play for that. And then you still got at least $4 million to play with, which it's always smart to go into the season with that. You don't want to go into the season right at the cap, obviously. So I'm sure what we see now just about is about what we're going to see when the season comes around. Um, but the other side of this that we wanted to talk about is Ethan Barrett, because there have been some rumors that the Hurricanes are potentially shopping him and, or that teams have been looking into him. So if the Hurricanes do decide to move on from him, A, that's going to clear a little bit of a log jam on the back end. And I would say it seems to signify the team's confidence in Dylan Coghlan, which is something that I've considered here quite a few times. Um, I, I think that's a guy that they kind of want to see what they can do with. He's got a big shot. He's put up some big numbers before. Um, and, hey, the Hurricanes obviously targeted him for a reason. They brought him in because they think he can play on this team's third pairing. And – I'm really interested to see preseason and into the regular season what he can do. Yeah, I mean, Bear is good, but in
0: that same breath, you have two defensemen in Baron Coghlan that are of a similar mold. Both are roughly the same height. They play a similar style of game they contribute about as much offensively as one another. One of them costs $2 million. One of them is making just a hair over league minimum. If you're the Hurricanes, you look to move out that, I mean, more expensive contract as a way to clear up space for either a potential move or just... Trade deadline cap space, something, right? I I'm I was surprised when Bear re-signed with the Hurricanes, given the fact that he didn't play in the playoffs. That was a surprise to me, right? I think that you know he he was good at times, really good last season, but never great. And there were more off. There were games where I just did not like him felt that he was a non-factor and yeah. I think that the Hurricanes the way their third pairing should be is yeah they can have Coglin on that third pair to maybe try and be that second power play guy that they've been missing but they need somebody to be a more stable defensive presence and that's why I think they brought in Calvin DeHaan to be that guy because he is a good defender he doesn't do much else but he's a very good defensive defenseman I think it's so fascinating to see the Hurricanes' defense shaping up to be the way it is. I mean, Jalen Chatfield is more than likely now. With, with the Jake Gardner news, Jalen Chatfield is more than likely the seventh defenseman. I, and I was talking with with people today. Um, he probably splits time with Coughlin this year. You know, like when the Hurricanes need that more physical presence against, you know, say the Western Conference teams or teams like Boston, maybe even Washington, they'd put Jalen Chatfield in because he can make an impact physically.
1: Right. Um, yeah, I, I think Jalen Chatfield is a guy that probably benefits the most from this move because I still kind of was thinking if they move there. Um, I still was kind of thinking that he's going to start the season in the AHL. But I think now you ride with him on the NHL roster. You stick him in, you know, whenever a guy needs a break, if somebody's sore, whatever the case may be you can stick him in there and I don't think your team's a whole lot worse for the wear. I think he's a guy that can, you know, really help in that role, honestly. And yeah, DeHaan at this point, I think he's pretty much a lock to make the roster, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you brought Stepan and DeHaan in on PTOs knowing that you would likely sign them. Like with Stepan especially, I mean, it was very clear at the end of last year that he really wanted to come back. Yeah. Um, he made that pretty obvious in his, uh like um end of season interviews and whatnot i really enjoy watching him play i think again he's a fourth line forward so the you know impact that he brings isn't going to be huge but he is a player that can still produce when you need him to you know
1: right and and he also is a guy that should have played more than he did
0: (laughs) yeah so i doubt there's going to be any surprises heading into camp i mean just taking a look at cap friendly, the best players that are unsigned right now. Tyler Ennis is still unsigned, I believe. I think he just signed in the
1: KHL, didn't he?
0: He refuted those rumors the other day, actually. Oh, okay. But he had twenty-four points in fifty-seven games. Eh. Some team might pick him up eventually, but oh, I'm sure. But like you know, not the Canes. No. Uh, Anton Strawman, who is bad. <laughs> Brian Boyle can still provide some depth scoring as a veteran. Other than that, though, man, there's not a lot. Yeah. Joe Thornton's still available.
1: He is not retired yet. What in the world? Yeah,
0: he's practicing with the Sharks. Okay. So I just think, you know, that's it. There's, there's not going to be any crazy moves. Barring a trade, and even then, that would be wild. Like I saw somebody on my timeline today think uh, like say we should offer sheet Sandine or something yep. while that would be fantastic. What would we do with him? You know, <laughs> where, where is he going to play? Where would he play? If, you, if you're going to offer sheet somebody, just go full on chaos mode and offer sheet Jason Robertson while the stars have zero cap space. Wouldn't you love Jason Robertson on this team? Oh, he'd be perfect do anyways that's not gonna happen but that's a fever dream for today right pipe dream pipe dream that's what i meant to say yeah it's okay all right
1: i am going out of town on a much-needed vacation so i'll try to have this up it is monday night I'll, well, I probably won't have it out tomorrow, but I'll have it scheduled for Wednesday morning. We'll have it out then. I will be gone for a few days. If you need me, don't text. Once I get back.
0: I won't text you.
1: Training camp, baby.
0: Training camp starts Thursday.
1: Right. I know, but we'll exciting have stuff. to talk about Right.
0: I was more just adding. Yeah. I said, so, like, exciting stuff.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Thursday is when I will be beginning my four day party. <laughs> Um, so yeah, not going to not going to have any service out there in that field in Ohio. So, yeah. I'm excited. When I get back, I'll be a, either a refreshed human being or a total zombie that doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> see which one.
0: Well, Brandon, it's been fun. And folks, this was a fun weekend. I am so glad that this was able to happen here. Um, just the, we right. I don't get many opportunities to watch these prospects live, and so it was a lot of fun. Um, Kane's looked really good, folks. It this weekend shows you that it is truly a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.